Hi, this is ETF.com's Exchange Traded Fridays podcast, a weekly podcast covering developments in the ETF industry. My name is Sumit Roy, and I'm Senior Analyst for ETF.com. And I'm Jeff Benjamin, Wealth Management Editor at ETF.com. This week, we're talking with Scott Asacek, CEO of RecShares. Scott, welcome to the show. Great to be here. So, Scott, I'd love it if you could start off by introducing us to RecShares. How long have you, have you guys been around and what do you do? Uh, Rex has been around since 2015. That's when it was established. The first products were launched in 2016. Uh, RecShares has basically constantly been crafting innovative financial solutions, notably in the levered and inverse trading world. And now we're utilizing our derivatives backgrounds by venturing into option-based ETF solutions. Okay, let's start with this new ETF that you launched in October, Rex Fang and Innovation Equity Premium Income ETF, FEPI. Tell us about that, Scott. Tell us, you know, what the what the strategy is and uh, what how this is going to give, uh, as I see it, investors kind of souped up performance. Yeah, well, well, thanks, Jeff. I I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, this whole thing kind of starts with what's going on in the fixed income world, right? Uh, I would say fixed income is quite the mess, and the landscape is is changing pretty fast. Uh, Bloomberg was reporting the other day that they had peaked the trough losses of more than 40% for treasury bonds with maturities of 10 years or more, more than 50% in treasury bonds 30 years or, uh, or greater as well since March of 2020. I mean, when you think about those figures in, in you know, bigger picture perspective, they're, they're right up there with equity losses seen during the dot-com bubble and during the great financial crisis. Um, and ETF.com even reported, I think I want to say in yesterday's newsletter, about TLT hit, hitting an all-time low, which peaked the trough is probably around like 45% as well. So we live in this world where fixed income is just not reliable and it's destroying the traditional 60-40 uh, portfolio. And what's emerging right now in the ETF space is alternative income. And we're seeing you know, surges of inflows into option-based income ETFs. And I think this trend really underscores the market's appetite for innovative income solutions. Mm -hmm. So with FEPI, I mean, our entire goal is to have... Uh, to basically let investors have their cake and eat it too. So we're offering exposure to top tier large cap stocks, the basically the big leaders in big tech, and then also pairing that with a chance for substantial potential monthly income through covered call strategy. So the index itself that we're utilizing, that we're following in this active, uh, active ETF strategy is basically the 15 biggest names in tech. As you can imagine, it's FANG, all the friends, and that's FANG with two A's. And then some of the other ones along the lines of like AMD, Broadcom, Adobe, et cetera. Okay. Tell us how the strategy works, though. Absolutely. So, you know, we are looking uh, to be long big tech. So we're long those 15 stocks on an equally weighted basis. And then we're selling out of the money calls on it. So, um, you know, we just launched and the calls, I believe, on average are about 5% out of the money for this last month. So what that's doing is allows for price participation up to that 5% mark for each one of those stocks. And then also um, utilizing the call option premium sold as the source of income that we're going to pay out on a monthly basis. Scott, I'm curious. Obviously, you talked about the large amount of money that has flowed into covered call strategies this year. A lot of that has gone into covered call strategies focused on the broader market, like the S&P 500. One of the benefits of writing calls on a basket of big tech stocks, is it simply that the options premiums are higher 
because the stocks are more volatile or is there more to it? At our core, we're really trying to isolate big tech. You know, a lot of people believe the bigger, broader, let's say NASDAQ 100 is big tech. But the reality is it's really watered down with the likes of Costco, Pepsi, Starbucks and a bunch of other names. Uh, you know, those are all good companies, whatever, that are listed on the NASDAQ. So they're included in the index. But it's not exactly what I think of when I think of big tech. So what we're doing is basically, you know, I think people are very comfortable with the risk profile of like the Fang and Friends or Big Tech Basket. And so we're kind of utilizing that and just that to isolate it um, and use as the basis for this strategy. And I think you mentioned, Scott, you're writing call options that are about 5% out of the money, which allows the ETF to benefit from some price appreciation in the price of its stock holdings. How did you come up with that 5% number? Is that just, you know, right in the sweet spot? It's not too low. It's not too high. Yeah, I mean, you know, every month's going to be different. This is an actively managed strategy, uh, but we do want to really focus on one, the potential for some high income and two, some growth of the underlying names. Um, and we're trying to marry the two uh, each each and every month as we, um, you know, focus on the strategy. I'm also curious, Scott, what kind of market environment is best for this type of ETF? I've been under the impression that, you know, covered call strategies, they tend to outperform both in a flat environment and a declining market environment. But of course, no one buys covered call ETFs hoping that markets are going to go down. So they're probably buying them thinking markets are going to be flat or maybe slightly up, uh, but not up a huge amount. Am I thinking about that right? Yeah, I think so. You know, if the market absolutely, you know, just turns down um, and goes down substantially, you know, one of the benefits of, you know, selling calls is that, you know, volatility is typically high on market downturns. So at those at those moments, it can act actually as a buffer or provide some kind of downside protection. And you'll utilize those premiums or the income that we, we would pay off as uh, you know, a buffer to those returns. So it's not just straight market performance. So we definitely outperform in those kind of markets, any kind of sideways markets as well. Yeah, you're harvesting that yield. Uh, and in straight up markets, you're probably going through the upside caps of the, the call options. So you would uh, underperform in those markets. And do you have any estimate for what kind of yield this type of strategy could deliver in a flattish type of market environment, given where option premiums currently are? Are we talking single digits, double digits? Yeah, on an annual basis, you know, so we wrote our first bunch of options and we're going to have our first payout in about a week or so. Um, you know, we're looking at um, somewhere around a 2% coupon for this past month. So, you know, if you annualize that, you're looking at greater than 20%. Um, that's, you know, in this, his, you know, recent market that has not been that volatile. So it is, uh, you know, has the potential for high income each and every month. Absolutely. Really high number there. Now, Scott, I kind of want to zoom out and talk about these strategies more broadly. Obviously, we're seeing a proliferation of options riding ETFs. Do you have any concern that all these ETF selling options are eventually going to dampen the price of options? Yeah, uh -huh. no, no, I, I really don't. I mean, you know, it's kind of kind of a fun fact. One of the reasons why I joined RecShares uh, back in the day, you know, it was founded by Greg King. Uh, him and I had very similar backgrounds on Wall Street, and that was, you know, in the structured note world. And structured note world, you're basically listening to clients and you're getting an understanding of what their appetite is, what their desired exposures are, and you're utilizing options to kind of make that happen. I would say we're very much in the beginning phases still of utilizing options 
options within within ETFs. And I don't necessarily think they're going to, you know, completely trash option premiums in, in the future. If, if this growth continues, I, I think the option market is very big, very liquid, uh, very robust. And, um, you know, I don't have any concerns there that options from ETFs will blow out that market. Uh, speaking of popularity in that market, uh, you're, we love ticker symbols here at ETF.com. And uh, you and I, Scott, have already talked about FEPI a little bit uh, in our previous conversations. But uh, obviously, FEPI, F-E-P-I, is uh, very close to JEPI, J-E-P-I, the wildly popular uh, J.P. Morgan Equity Premium Income ETF. Will you try to ride that wave a little bit with the FEPI ticker? Actually, you know, it's funny. Um, we came up with the FEPI ticker and then later on we heard about the JEPI product and we were actually, you know, astonished to, to find out that it was so similar. I say that just as a joke. Uh, yeah, no, we're well aware of the JEPI ticker that was out there. Um, you know, I think, you know, they were very early and it's, you know, very with, with a product that's been growing uh, an absolute ton and actually FEPI originated uh, from, you know, members of Rex going to numerous ETF conferences. And, you know, a lot of people were talking about JEPI uh, left and right. And we, we tried to think of ways to improve upon what they're doing or to provide, you know, a slight differential of, of what they're doing. And that's basically how we came out with uh, with FEPI. Now, uh, Rex shares has, what, $3 billion under management total? That's right. Okay. And or most of that is uh, ETNs, as I understand, this is your first ETF, except for the one that you partnered with Tuttle. We're going to get to that in a minute, right? Yeah, uh, when we when Rex started back in 2016 uh, with their first products, those were ETFs. Unfortunately, they did not have the success that we desired, uh, mm -hmm. and th those those were shut down. Uh, but we did start that microsectors brand of levered and inverse trading products uh, for concentrated exposures to you know market segments like big tech, big banks, oil, gold, uh, and those that originated in 2018. What what were some of those original ETFs from Rex Shares? My favorite one was gold hedged S&P. So basically, if you give me one dollar, I'll give you a dollar of gold exposure and a dollar of S&P exposure. So it was a great way for somebody to add gold to their portfolio without disrupting their overall asset mix. You would just simply swap out a large cap equity product and put in our product um, and you get that gold overlay. So it is utilizing gold futures and S&P futures to provide that exposure. Um, it was probably the largest uh, ETF position I ever had personally. Uh, I thought the world of it. Uh, you know, it's very much an institutional style product. Why do you think it didn't succeed? It sounds pretty creative and innovative and interesting. Yeah, it was it was probably a little bit ahead of its time, but also it's hard competing in the ETF space. It's you know, you really need to find a niche. And when you're a you know a newer player and you're trying to enter the gold world, there's a lot of large gold microphones out there of people screaming and yelling and talking about, mm -hmm. you know, their gold products or gold services or whatnot. So it was really hard to get that uh mental mind share, uh, let alone the financial uh, you know, mind share for the uh for the products. Right now you guys have almost two dozen ETFs filed with the SEC awaiting approval. It looks like you, you're planning on making a, a bigger splash into the space, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with what's going on in the marketplace in terms of innovation, whether it's on the single stock side or whether it's on the option side, there's a lot of interesting structures that we're looking forward to bringing to the market. And now, in, in terms of creativity, uh, you recently launched an ETF in partnership with Tuttle Capital Management. Another, uh, what we would describe as a boutique 
ETF issuer. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, about the strategy? And then I'm, I'm really interested in how you uh, ended up joining forces with Matt Tuttle. So we actually lost, launched four products uh, with Tuttle, and they provide 2x long exposure to Tesla, 2x long exposure to NVIDIA, and minus 2x exposure to Tesla, and separately, minus 2x exposure to NVIDIA. Uh, we're really excited about that. You know, in that kind of world, in the levered and inverse space, which is a very small uh, part of the market. I mean, the levered and inverse world is probably less than 1% of the overall ETF world. Um, but the, you know, that marketplace itself really demands leverage. So when you look at you know, the broader based leverage and inverse products out there, there's a lot more assets, let's say in like the 3X space than 2X space. Now in this new world, we kind of anticipate that same kind of phenomenon to take place with 2X products versus, you know, let's say 1.5X products. Now, what about you and Matt? I, I know each of you well enough to to know that you're you're like-minded in many ways. You're 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 basically kind of disruptors. Uh Matt Tuttle, for those in our audience that don't remember or recall, he is the one of his uh claims to fame is the long and uh, also short separate ETFs uh, of Jim Cramer, CNBC host Jim Cramer. How did you and uh, Matt get together and decide to do this? I, I as I asked you guys when I interviewed you when I was writing about the new suite of ETFs, I really didn't understand why you needed each other. It seems like either one of you guys could have done this on your own. Yeah, I think you know it's funny is um, I've I've met Matt and his partner Pete for uh, a number of years ago and. Uh, you know, I think we do have similar backgrounds and similar interests. I think we, you know, we look at this ETF world and we do believe that there could be more products that get created that are new and interesting. So I think we have a very like mind um, and we see each other pretty frequently at all the ETF events uh, and other events that we throw as well. And this kind of just happened naturally. Um, you know, Matt was behind the first single stock products to be launched, whether it was uh, the short Tesla product, he was also the first one to, to launch the, the Kathy Wood kind of product, levered and inverse products as well. Um, so, you know, just constantly picking each other's brain and thinking of new products. Uh, you know, we have a levered and inverse background. He uh, created some of the first levered and inverse single stocks. So it kind of just made sense to work together. I think we are incredibly complementary of what we do. I think, you know, we are really good on the sales and marketing side. He's really good on the trading and structuring side. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a pretty happy marriage and we're excited about being a business with him. And, and where is that uh, partnership going? Uh, well, we have these four products in the marketplace. I would not be surprised to see, you know, more filings come through with our brand T-Rex, which is kind of a fun little play. It's Tuttle and Rex together as T-Rex. Um, so I think there's there's more products out there that we're looking to to launch that are new and interesting or just innovative or improving on what's going on in the marketplace. Scott, just going back to those 2X ETFs on Tesla and NVIDIA, I talked to some issuers who have other single stock ETFs focused on those two companies, and they said they couldn't get you know anything beyond 1.5 times leverage because those stocks are too volatile. How did you manage to launch 2x ETFs on Tesla and Nvidia when others couldn't do it? You know, as we spoke about, you know, we are very small, very nimble. Uh, we have backgrounds in structuring, and I, I would just say there's some secret sauce involved. Uh, that I eventually will come to light. And, you know, one of my fears is that everybody then runs out and then files for the same exact thing. So I'll keep it at that we have some secret sauce. And, um, you know, it's been great working with with Matt and his team. Um, and we hope to, you know, continue to innovate and improve upon it and structures that are currently out there. 
Fair enough. Well, fantastic, Scott. We're going to have to leave it there. You gave us a ton of great insight. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find this and all other Exchange Traded Fighters episodes on ETF.com or on any major podcast platform. See you next week.